Hello, and welcome to Queer by Birth, Proud by Choice. I am your host, Jake Federowski. My pronouns are they, them, and I navigate the world as a white, genderqueer individual. Today, I'll be speaking with Tia Nash, wedding photographer and industry educator, whose mission is to show the world that love does not have one aesthetic. So Tia, welcome, and thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. Would you mind sharing your pronouns and anything you may be bringing to the conversation today? Anything that's been on your mind, either inside or outside of the queer space? Yeah, that's a deep question. Um, (laughs) I'm Tia Nash. My pronouns are they, them. I am white. I live in New Orleans, Louisiana, and I photograph weddings. So I like to just start with what does pride mean to you? Yeah, pride to me is pride will always be rooted in a revolution, in resistance, in like finding space where people, queer people specifically, can fully be themselves. Uh, pride is being able to like move through a world and create a world. I have a daughter. She's um, eight months old right now. And like pride for me now having a kid is very much also about like creating a space where when they move throughout the world, like their family dynamic is not anything different. It's something that feels normal to the world, but also feels like it should be celebrated. I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about pride in terms of like family dynamics, this being the first pride that I am a parent. Hmm. It's got to be a whole different, like it it probably flips the narrative completely and changes what you're thinking about. Yeah. I just think a lot about future generations and kind of like how different the world, I'm 32 um, and just how different the world is now. Like I spent a lot of time on TikTok and just like seeing how different the world is for teenagers now versus like when I was a teenager and then thinking about like, what is the world that we're creating for our kid and just I'm excited to see how the world moves. Is there an element of how can I teach my daughter, your daughter, like the history and like the the fact that all of the, you know, the queer liberation movement was rooted in that in revolution, right? Mm-hmm. And how do you teach that and bring that to the next generation so that they know where we where queer history has come from and where yeah. we are going? Yeah, for that, uh, I definitely lean on my wife, who is like a social scientist by background and like has a PhD and has a degree in gender studies. And like, my wife is definitely doing a lot to like continue. I mean, the kid is eight months old right now. So like, (laughs) I don't know how much (laughs) they're absorbing, but there are lots of little things that we do with my kid where we like kind of switch between using like different pronouns. And when we're out in the world, like people often use like he, him pronouns for my kid because like she wears whatever clothes she wants like it doesn't matter (laughs) and Mm -hmm. so we're just trying to raise her in a world where like she knows that she can make her own choices and like giving her that autonomy we'll definitely be teaching her the history like as accurately we can and acknowledging like we are white queer people in the world and how not everyone has the same experience as us and there's just a lot to learn and I'm excited to like share that with her as she grows up. 
Oh, I'm so excited for you. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait for the day that I, that I can do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I really, uh, growing up like young and queer, I never really saw myself as being someone who would have like a family. Not that like, I say family in quotation marks because I think this idea that you have to have a kid to have a family is not true at all. Uh, But I never really thought that I would be like a parent and have a kid and kind of be in this world existing this way. Um, But here I am. (laughs) And we're doing it. It It's been good. Stemming from the question of what pride means to you, um, was there a moment that you remember first feeling proud in and of your queer body? Yeah, there, I have a kind of distinct moment. So right now I'm a wedding photographer and I've been a wedding photographer for about four years. Um, But before I was a wedding photographer, I was a high school teacher and I was a high school teacher for like six to eight years, kind of depending on where you cut off (laughs) when I stopped being, because I was like half in the classroom, half out. Um, But there was a moment where I was in my like younger twenties and I was starting to figure out, like I knew in my heart, my identity, but I was also like pretending to be straight and just kind of living in that world and existing in that world. And so there was a while where I wasn't out with my students. One, because like there weren't legal protections for me if I was out with my students and I worked as an outwill employee in a charter school network and I just didn't necessarily feel safe being out with my students. Uh, But then there was a moment where I realized that like how important it is to be out and to be proud and to be visible and it was in my homeroom which was like an all-girls homeroom class ninth graders and there was this young woman who was gay and she was being made fun of for being gay and then the students were like we can just tell that she's gay and that's why they were making fun of her I was like well you really can't and then in that moment I outed myself to my students and it like really flipped the conversation and it really kind of shaped how I feel about being out and being proud to being like, I'm an adult. Like I can take teenagers like being mean to me. Like it it doesn't affect me. I can take that bullying, like, cause it just, the power dynamic is different when you're an adult. And so for me now, Mm -hmm. like some of my proudest moments of being out and like being proud are in like, how can we as queer adults be visible and be proud to like make it a safer space for future generations. You said the the importance of being visible mm-hmm. and especially in that setting. I mean, that's so awesome yeah. that, you know, you had that moment with those kids because that one student that was out or that, you know, was being made fun of to have someone in that environment to then be out with them, I'm sure was, you know, changed it for them as well, you know? Yeah, it was a pretty cool moment to be able to share that. I know that when I was young and thinking about being queer, I couldn't really see a future for myself. And so as much as I can be present as a potential future for other people to see, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm, For sure. You talked about um, then after the high school teaching or the the teaching part of your life, you're now a wedding photographer, Mm -hmm. which is first of all, like your, your photos are stunning. I mean, just beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've always had this like really odd obsession with wedding photography and (laughs) like, you know, everything from, you know, the destination wedding where you've got like the mountains or the ocean in the background to just like the really intimate, you know, backyard wedding. I mean, it's just so cool to see 
that celebration of love through photography. But as we as we talk about pride and having that proud moment, and we look to then your work as a wedding photographer within the wedding industry, how does or doesn't that moment or that feeling of pride manifest itself within your daily work, you know, with your clients and with vendors? How does that kind of translate into that industry? Yeah, being photographed is an incredibly vulnerable act, like especially hiring a pretty much a stranger to come follow you along on your wedding day and like someone that you're going to be intimate with your partners in front of like you're going to be kissing you're going to be like sharing these if you write notes to each other you're going to be sharing all these emotions and just like letting those walls down to let someone else photograph you is like an incredibly vulnerable act and so I have very deliberately chosen to be very out and very um just as strong of an ally as I can be to, like I say, ally, I I am queer, obviously, (laughs) but (laughs) I like also, I identify as like queer, but also being an ally because like, I am not every one of the letters. And so I think that all of us can be like part of the alphabet, but also allies to the other parts that aren't necessarily us. Um, So I think the act of being photographed is so vulnerable. And I like, I, it's so important to be to be out and visible to like one be out and queer to be out and like in a visibly fat body and just like being those things and being that to it, it really helps break down walls and it makes me feel very proud that I can do what I can do and honestly when I started in wedding photography I thought like I'm too gay and I'm too fat to like ever make it in this industry because I just didn't see especially where I live in the south like I didn't see wedding photographers that looked like me but now I just see how much of a strength it is to like bring all these different identities to it because it just makes people who share any of these identities with me feel far more comfortable and just know that like they are being photographed by someone who has some shared lived experience with them. And that makes me, that makes me really proud and makes me want to continue to be as out and open and talk about these things because people aren't really talking about them. And I think that it's kind of, false to not be thinking about how vulnerable or it's not a great way to approach photography if you're not thinking about how vulnerable it is to be in front of the camera because to be photo like you said to be photographed is such a vulnerable act yeah and especially on a on a day like your wedding day like (laughs) you have like potentially like i mean i see everything from family traumas coming up to weird dynamics to family members not showing up to family members unexpectedly showing up wedding party members who are trying to like steal the spotlight. Like there's so many tensions that can happen on weddings, but they are also so beautiful. And so as much as I can do to like make people feel comfortable, make people feel at ease. And part of that is just being very visibly out and proud with my own identities. I think that people feel safer with that. I know that I would, if I'm ever, my wife and I talk about doing a vow renewal and I know that we will be looking for someone who has some shared live experience with us before hiring them. I was looking through your website and um, the one quote that I pulled was, I celebrate and affirm your love no matter what your love looks like. I know the wedding industry was built on a foundation of whiteness, thinness, and cis heteronormativity. I stand to change that. And I think there's just so much tradition, mm-hmm. right? There's so much tradition ingrained in the wedding industry. And, you know, it's something that people grow up dreaming of yeah. Um, ever since they're 
children, right? We, you're taught to like, you will be married someday. It'll be a man and a woman. Like (laughs) you have this perfect wedding day. Like you have all these traditions lined up and as, as the queer community starts to identify or starts to come into those, to their queer bodies and Mm -hmm. have those realizations, it starts to completely flip that. Yeah. And so having someone like you being so out and proud and vocal and, you know, present within that industry is so important for the folks that are having those realizations like, oh, wait, I I am not, (laughs) I'm not that thing, that, that idea that I've been dreaming of, right? Yeah. How do I now create a new dream and and find a a new way to celebrate Mm -hmm. on that day? The industry is is just so far behind, I think, in in many ways compared to some other ones. (laughs) It really, it really is. And there really are so many traditions. And I have so many conversations with my clients, specifically with my queer clients, about like, okay, well, we have two bouquets. Do we toss them both? Or we don't have any bouquets. Do we not do that? Or like my parents want me to do this, but it it doesn't actually feel right for me. And I want to have a bridal party, but my bridal party is like mixed gendered. And like, what do I do with that? And there's just like so many, like every single step of the way, or like I toured a bunch of venues and all of the venues have a bridal suite and a groom suite. And like, who do we put where? And like, why, why do they still have these signs up? Like, can't they take them down? (laughs) There's just, it's really at like every, at every turn the florist has all these like floral packages that include one bouquet and one boutonniere, but that doesn't fit my relationship dynamic. There's just like every single, every single step of the way there's reminders of, Oh, this industry wasn't built for you. And I know that when my wife and I got married, we got, got engaged in 2015. And so like, this is a lot of my, like why in my business stems from this is like, we got engaged in 2015 And at the time when we got engaged, like same-sex marriage wasn't legal. And so we got engaged and we didn't tell anyone because we were worried we were going to tell people and the Supreme Court was going to be like, you can't get married because Louisiana Louisiana was one of the states that hadn't independently legalized it. Like we could have gone to Florida or New York where I grew up, Um, but we wanted to get married in New Orleans because this is where we live we were lucky that it we were only engaged for three weeks and then it became legal. So like we were very fortunate there, but we definitely had that experience. And then we had that experience of reaching out to vendors who didn't really know how to handle us or would like, I would fill out the forms on the websites and it'd be like bride's names, groom's name. Even when we went to get our marriage license, um, because we ended up getting married just about a month after it became legal. So we were like one of the earlier people like, even the legal forms still had like bride and groom sections. And it's just like, I mean, our wedding was beautiful. I loved it. Like I'm very happy to be married, but there are just so many points in that whole planning process that could have been so much better. And so now I just very much want to be that change in our, the industry. Mm-hmm. For folks who may, uh, who may not kind of know, or maybe maybe they're just not thinking about some of those things. I mean, you had just listed some of them, but for the folks who aren't thinking about those traditions that are currently, you know, those ongoing traditions, what are some ways or what are kind of the big things that could be done like today to change the industry? What are those things that we could start changing now to make the the industry more LGBTQ friendly. Mm -hmm. When I think about like wedding day vendors and the kind of biggest ones are 
planners, photographers, venues. I feel like those are the three that are kind of usually booked first. And I think like if every photographer venue and um, planner like did a scrub through their website and checked like, are you using bridegroom language? And like, not just on your website, but a lot of times contracts will have bridegroom language. Um, and then like questionnaires, a lot of times will be like automated questionnaires that go out that help you plan your day or like gather information for the other vendors to do their job. And so if vendors could scrub all of their stuff and just make sure that they have, and some people will be like, oh, well, I have a bride, bride option, a bridegroom option and a like groom groom option but like really there are more than three different (laughs) relationship Uh dynamics um and the like there are a few kind of gender neutral terms for bride and groom my personal favorite is marrier um but marrier can also be someone who marries people so like a ordained officiant um and that's not Uh everyone's Uh favorites also like broom or gride are popular options (laughs) and so there are like the broom and gride never felt right for me if they feel right for other people like that's great for them um but it just kind of feels like a way of like taking something that's like non-binary and being like here's a new (laughs) here's a new binary to enter pick a side (laughs) (laughs) um so i really appreciate marrier as like an option that's completely outside of that but i would say most wedding vendors like don't know marrier or have like the option to have it within their contracts or questionnaires all of that but i think if kind of those big three photographers, planners, and venues really scrubbed through their stuff. It would just create a lot less roadblocks. Or honestly, I know that this wouldn't happen, or it probably wouldn't happen, but I wish that people who wouldn't work with queer people, wouldn't work with LGBTQ people, would just list it on their website and just say, like, we don't work with you. <laughs> sure. It's, it's so unfortunate to hear um, a couple go through something to then find out, like, oh, this, you know, have a negative experience and then have to be turned away. Yeah. Or like, they grew up their whole life thinking that they were going to get married at this one venue than to reach out and have them say, well, we support your right to choose. We don't do your type of weddings at our venue. It happens like at least once a month. I see someone post about one of their clients having these types of experiences. And it really, it just, it hurts. I was reading in the, the New Orleans, oh my goodness. New Orleans Is wedding it the magazine? Now Wedding? Yeah, New Orleans yes, Wedding that magazine. One. <laughs> They were talking about, from the podcast conversation, about the difference between inclusive and affirming. How do vendors make that switch, right? Because there's so much conversation about being LGBTQ inclusive, but there's really actually one more step to take to then be LGBTQ affirming. Would you mind speaking to that a bit? Sure. Yeah. So I think since 2015, so it's been like just about six years and like a couple of days, it'll be six years since same sex marriage was legalized. And like the term same sex is not like my favorite term to use for it. Um, it's just what the language was <laughs> at the time. And I haven't like reframed it in my mind. So since it was legalized, there have been like a lot, there's been really a push to be like, okay, include like a badge on your website that's like, yeah, we work with LGBTQ couples. And there's like a very clear difference between yes, we will work with you. Yes, we will take your money. And yes, we actually like affirm and celebrate your relationships. And so there are some like big kind of like wedding vendor directory lists that are like, yes, of course, we work with 
queer couples, LGBTQ couples, but we will never post them on our social media. And it's like, well, if you will work with them, like, why won't you share them on your social media? And like their reasoning was, well, it's like against our religious belief, which is just whatever makes me upset to think about. Um, (laughs) And so it's like the difference between like, yes, I will photograph your relationship, but will you like really see my relationship? Will your systems be a safe place for me to like, will your questionnaires, will your contracts all be there? Or are you going to like photograph my wedding, never post my content. And then like on your way home, do an Instagram story about how you're stopping at Chick-fil-A to like get your chicken sandwich at the end of the day. And it's just like this like misalignment of like, do you want to work with LGBTQ people because there's money in it? Or do you want to work with them because you see their relationships and you are like happy to celebrate and affirm their relationships? It's one step to, to make that statement and to say that, you know, you are accepting of LGBTQ folks, but it's that next step and going beneath the surface then to make active steps towards showing that support. And that doesn't have to be like all of your business or all of your work that you're doing, but you, you can't just post that and then be done for the day and go get Chick-fil-A. Like you have to (laughs) make those active steps to continue to show and to support and to, to celebrate all of your clients and all of the people that you are working with. Yeah. You know, and that goes for the wedding industry and all industries, I think, but specifically in the wedding industry. Yeah. Another big thing that I see um, a ton of vendors doing, especially because we are in pride month is a lot of wedding vendors are posting pictures of LGBTQ couples and they're posting it with these like captions that are like, love is love here at butterfly photography or whatever we believe love is love and like we're proud to serve all couples. And that's, that's a great sentiment, but I think it feels very performative to me when the only time that you're posting queer couples is when you're using it to like signal that you are welcoming. Like I would much rather see you post a LGBTQ couple and like actually tell their story or like give us some context and really humanize them and not just like post about them as like love is love. Cause like, it just feels like if you were posting your other couples and you're telling their stories or like bringing up like a beautiful heirloom that was like important to them or like something else important about their weddings. But then every time you post a queer couple, it's with this kind of like surface level, like we love to work with queer couples. (laughs) It's just like, uh, it just, it misses the mark for me. And it, it doesn't feel very, affirming to me. I I want people to really tell stories and like humanize LGBTQ couples. It's going back to that idea of visibility and that, you know, sure, there's, there's an importance of being proud and being visible as a queer person, but it also then goes into that, that allyship outside of the queer community, right. And, and showing that support and that visibility so that you can bring in those clients and help them celebrate that day for, you know, for themselves as well. And you'd think by queering weddings and by breaking down those traditions and opening up to, you know, all of the other possibilities, vendors and designers and photographers, like, doesn't that just open up a whole other like creative world and landscape that 
you can, you know, dive into to celebrate love. I just feel like what a great opportunity as within the industry to be more creative and to really break down those, those barriers and build something new and, personal for each couple, right? Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's such a great opportunity. And I I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, I do know why vendors don't do that. But <laughs> I'm just like, why not? Why not go down that path? I don't I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 100%. Like there's very much that like people get burnt out doing wedding photography. And like, I haven't gotten there. Like I'm not burnt out. I like schedule myself so that I have plenty of time to rest in between my weddings. And like, I love photographing weddings. It's just like so fun to be a part of people's day and like it I very much love it. Um, but there's so many people who complain about wedding photography being like, well, every wedding's the same and I just like get bored doing the same stuff. And I'm like, Well, my mine aren't. Like all of my weddings are different. Every wedding there's like a new tradition or a new thing, or people are just like making their own way. And I think that's beautiful. And for anyone who's listening, who is planning their weddings, like there is no, there are no rules. Like people will tell you that there are rules. And really the only wedding rules are like, are you consenting adults? (laughs) Like, can you legally get married? Do you want to enter this partnership? Like, great. If those are, yes, if we're good there, then like everything else, you know, like do whatever your city or state has you that you need to do legally. If you want to make it like a full legal marriage but other than that like walking down the aisle like you do it however you want getting ready like get ready together if you want to get ready together you don't need to do this first look or this like getting ready separately and don't see each other like whatever feels right to you is perfect Mm -hmm. no rules (laughs) no rules I love that no rules I think there's I want to say there was a quote I believe it was a TED talk where someone had spoken about queerness. Um, Oh, they had said the gift of queerness is options. Oh, I love that. Right. Like both within like my own life, but in the wedding industry, like that idea that there are no rules, like even like you don't need to wear a suit or a dress. Like you can wear something else. Like there are, it's just whatever feels right to you and makes you feel the best is the best choice for you. And if that means like doing everything traditional because you've always envisioned this very traditional wedding, then like go for it. Like do all the traditions, like celebrate mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever you want to do. I'm on board. Yep. Because once again, there are no rules. Yeah. So if you want to go that route, go for do it. it. <laughs> <laughs> I photographed some very traditional queer weddings. <laughs> like they're beautiful. Exactly. Don't hold back other couples though that want to break out of that. Mm-hmm. That's the other important side of that, obviously. Yeah. Um, I kind of wanted to go back to, as a photographer who spends the entire day with them, mm-hmm. do you think bringing your queer self helps the client feel more at ease? Which I know you've kind of talked about, but... I definitely think that it does. And part of it is that, like, wedding vendors, especially wedding vendors who have been doing it for a while, kind of have a system for everything. And usually that system is very gendered. Like we're doing this and we're posing this way. And one posing tip I always hear is like, always have the girl put her arms inside of the guy's arms so that like she looks smaller. And it's just like, "Eh," like, no, thank you. (laughs) Mm -mm. Like Mm -mm. that doesn't cut it for me. So just like I approach posing or like when you're doing a photo and you're walking towards someone, if you cross your legs over and walk kind of like 
supermodel style, it makes you look much more feminine in your walking. So for me, when I'm directing posing, instead of being like, okay, like you in the dress, like you cross your legs as you walk towards me, I'll just say like, if you want to look more feminine in this photo, like this is how you do it. And like, does that feel right to you? And so just all these little like how I switch my language out. I also think it's like a, a benefit that I very much like was raised a girl and a woman. And so I like know all of those, like, you know, how to like the angles and like how to make your hips pop this way. And like, I grew up watching like America's Next Top Model because I had all sisters and like, that's what we watch. And like, I go back and watch that show and I'm like, no, not good, not good TV. But that's very much what I grew up with. And then kind of like coming into my own queer identity, like now I'm more comfortable being posed in like more masculine ways. And I've like really studied that and like read up on different like posing techniques and angles and like how to differentiate them. So now like when I'm in situations, I can literally model any type of pose. Like I can do like more masculine poses. I can do more feminine poses and I can explain them and show you how to do them with my own body. And I think just that, like I can show people and very easily switch between like all gender roles on a wedding day and like how to pose. I think that makes people comfortable because I often do the poses for them. I'll be like, stand like this, <laughs> do this with your arms. <laughs> and it, it's just like really breaks down the barrier because like they see me do it. And it's like, I'm sharing the spotlight with them, especially if we're in a public space. Like I will make a fool of myself before I ever ask you to like stand in the middle of the street and make out with the person that you're getting married to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause is that difficult? Do you run into that issue where you know, being like in a location where maybe the the couple doesn't feel comfortable showing, like how how do you navigate that world? You mm-hmm. know, if you're in a place where the where maybe it's not safe, the or the couple doesn't feel safe mm-hmm. um, expressing that. Uh, I, I want to say PDA, but like just expressing that love to each other in, in that, public spaces. In that environment. That's a really good question. And that I think is one thing that I didn't mention earlier, but I think it's a big difference between being like LGBTQ inclusive and being affirming is being truly affirming is understanding that like discomfort with PDA might just might actually be rooted in like fear for personal safety. A queer couple kissing in public has a very different like level of safety than like a cishet couple kissing in public and just like fully understanding that and monitoring the situation and monitoring like what's going on. Um, I do have like a pretty extensive questionnaire that like gets a bunch of information, um, not only about like comfort with PDA, but also like any, like if there's any physical abilities that they want to disclose to me, like they have any condition or maybe they're autistic and maybe they want to be able to like take breaks or they just like want me to know these different things like any types of things I like give people the space to disclose them if they want to if they don't want to like that's fine like we can work on the fly I definitely have had situations where random because I live in New Orleans it's very much a tourist city and I'm mostly photographing in like the heaviest traffic tourist areas so I do the questionnaire I gather the information I get a sense of like how they're feeling and then I suggest our locations based on that Like if they are like, no, we don't really like PDA. We're shy. We don't really want to be around a lot of people. I'll be like, great. I know where some beautiful architecture is that we can photograph. That's like more off the beaten path that isn't in a main tourist area. And then there have been a few times where I've had tourists say 
some like pretty terrible slurs at my couples as they're posing. And that's where my, that's like, again, like I will always stand up for my couples and I will always like take that heat because like, I'm, I am fine with it. Like it will just water off a duck's back. Like Jinx Monsoon mm-hmm. says. <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it doesn't affect me and I can still do my job, but like, I want to keep my couples as safe and feeling as comfortable as possible because they're already doing something so vulnerable. So I will like stand up for them. I will say like, you need to go to the person who's being mean to us. I will like always address it. I never let it go. I always address it. And then I take my couple and we, we walk a couple blocks to like kind of get it out of their system before we start to pose again. Kind of the same on a wedding day when, um, like if the couple's choosing to do a first look before a ceremony or if they're choosing to do some portraits alone, like I will kick everyone out of the room. I'll say like no parents and like family members, like actually would you, and I usually ask, I will just be like, would you want to be, you know, like loving on your partner in front of your whole family? Like, no, like leave us alone, give us space, give us time and like let these people be vulnerable and be comfortable with themselves. And it's just, it's very much about reading the energy all around and just like paying attention to everything that's happening to make sure that I can protect the energy that my couples feel. I just want to say thank you for all the, (laughs) from all the couples. (laughs) Something else that I do is I, my wife and I do a photo shoot at least once a year where we have someone else take our picture and it just constantly, it's like my yearly reminder that, wow, this is really kind of a vulnerable act and it is. Like, I don't want to be like looking over my shoulder being like, who's watching, who's paying attention. And so it's something that I constantly do myself is also put myself in front of the camera so that I never forget and like always remember just how vulnerable it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, my final question before we sign off is something that people also don't think about that I've I've heard is if it's a straight couple mm-hmm. getting married, people may think, well, then, you know, none of none of this matters or none of you don't need to think about what vendor and where and, you know, all those things. But people forget that. Well, what if there are queer friends and family who are in attendance yeah. at the wedding? How can that straight couple be an ally in that situation by making the the environment, the wedding as a whole more queer affirming (laughs) um, and inclusive for those folks. Yeah. Have you run into that at all? Yeah. Like right now, my business is really about 50-50, where 50% of the couples that I photograph are straight couples and 50% are queer couples. And sometimes some of my couples who like do identify their relationships as straight, like one or two of the partners will be bi or pan or non-binary or like also kind of identify not kind of they do identify with the lgbtq community but also call their relationships straight and like there's kind of a lot of there's just a lot of nuance in there and i'm like on board with all of it um and so a lot of those couples want to hire a photographer who like sees that part of the relationship and like really will affirm that part of the relationship um but then just some things that people can do are little things like when you're sending out invitations, send them to people's names instead of like Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so or Mrs. and Mrs. So-and-so. Same with name cards. You can just use actual names instead of name cards. Uh, You can invite any single person up for bouquet tosses or garter tosses if you're doing those. 
like we say like single ladies but it's like why <laughs> mm-hmm. i mean if that is mm-hmm. what you've always wanted to do then like live your best life do it but if you're wanting to be more inclusive and affirming like why not just say hey all single people we're doing the bouquet toss and i've seen weddings do it and it's a lot of fun um other mm-hmm. things like tell your dj or your mc or the band to address everyone as like friends and family instead of ladies and gentlemen little things like that. Uh, There's also a line that's in a lot of weddings, generally more traditional weddings. There's like a line. I don't, I don't know if it's from the Bible. I don't know where it's from, (laughs) but there's like this very classic line. That's like marriage is between a man and a woman. And I photograph Mm. weddings where they say that. And I'm always like (laughs) jokes on you. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I know. And it's always so awkward when you're in that wedding and they say that. Click, click, let me take your photo. (laughs) And I understand that like some people, uh, usually my couples who have that in their ceremony, it's like they're doing their ceremony for their parents and it's at a church or they're having some priest or pastor or someone do it who, and they don't have a lot of control over their ceremony. So it's nothing that I hold against my couple, but it's, it's just something where it's like, if you have control over it, like nix that line. Because even if you don't know, I would argue that like, if you're, if you have a hundred people together for your wedding, even if you think everyone's straight, they're probably not like there, there's, there's, there's people there that are closeted or people there that are out with some people and not out with you. Like it is, I feel like it is very rare to have a hundred people together coming from like different families, different walks of life, people who you haven't seen in a while. I feel like it's very rare that actually all of them are straight. I could be wrong, mm, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like at every wedding, I'm always like, I see some people and I'm like, uh, <laughs> like <laughs> I see you. <laughs> We're on the same wavelength. <laughs> yeah. I just think, or even like, kids i often see like 12 year olds being like asked to wear dresses and then they're still wearing like their combat boots and i'm just like maybe this person didn't actually want to wear a dress so there's lots of little things like does your whole wedding party need to wear dresses or have matching outfits like can you allow for more room there or maybe this person doesn't really want to be in your wedding party because they don't want to be associated with all the gendered elements of it Mm-hmm. I think just any any place in your wedding where you have clearly defined gender roles, you can always just ask yourself, like, do we need these? Like, does this feel right? Or is this going to mm-hmm. make some people feel weird? And then switch it. Because, again, there's no rules. Like, there are traditions, but traditions evolve. That is the the quote of the day. There are no <laughs> rules. <laughs> Well, uh, before we before we close out the episode, I ask each guest to add something or a few things to the Queer Queue, a catalog of sorts for listeners to go to for additional resources, um, educational opportunities, or just straight up enjoyment. And you know, the, the queue has included books and organizations, and even moments in queer history. Do you have anything to add to the queer queue? Yeah, there are a, I can think of two, one's wedding related and one's not wedding related. Um, so the one is Latoya, Latoya Papian Her, who is a wedding officiant here in New Orleans. Um, she's lesbian, she's black. She brings so much great experience to weddings and just is like a complete wealth of knowledge. 
So I 100% recommend checking out her work and checking out what she's doing. And specifically, she just released a book. um, And the book is all about how to write ceremony scripts and how to like bring how to make like really beautiful wedding ceremonies. So it's like specifically for people who are having friends officiate their weddings. But I, I just there's nothing else like it on the market. And she released it. And I feel like I want everyone to go out and buy her book. um, Because it is a book like written by a queer person by a black person by someone who has like just this incredible wealth of knowledge. We love her. So I recommend checking her out and checking out her book. Um, because it's incredible. Okay. Yeah, for sure. We will add that. And then you'd said that there was a non-wedding one. Yeah. There's, um, an organization that's kind of, um, in its first year ish, it might be read at about a year, but it's a organization here in new Orleans called house of tulip. And their whole thing is that they are working to make a trans inheritance for trans people in trans and gender nonconforming people in new Orleans. And they're starting with housing, so they just bought a house and they are like basically creating housing for trans people. House of Tulip, they're an incredible organization. Oh, wow. Okay. Whenever anyone's ever like, what are good nonprofits to give money to? I'm like, give all your money to House of Tulip. <laughs> House of Tulip. Yeah. There it is. Well, Tia, thank you so much for joining today, um, joining me out for this conversation. Where can listeners keep up with you and your work? Yeah, I'm at Tia Nash on Instagram and Tia.Nash on TikTok. My website's TiaNash.com. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. And uh, we will we will keep in touch. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This has been Queer by Birth, Proud by Choice with Jake Federowski. I ask for your patience as I venture on this journey. If I have said anything that came across as offensive, uneducated, or simply incorrect, please feel free to contact me. I look forward to listening and learning. You can email me at qbbpbc at gmail.com or follow me on Twitter and or Instagram at QBBPBC. Please like and share as you are able. It is much appreciated. Last but certainly not least, I'm forever grateful for the wonderful artwork designed by my friend Kristen, whose website will be linked in the show notes.